What's up, former party people? This is Jerry, you know, the one who actually combs his hair on the A is for Alcoholic podcast. Now, if you're finding value in listening to the AIFA podcast every week and you want to support sharing it with others, we invite you to become a sustaining monthly or per show contributor. Go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. It's super easy and it only takes a quick moment. It's about as easy as buying one of those pre-cooked space chickens from the grocery store, taking it outside, giving it a big old kiss, and kicking it into traffic. (laughs) Why would you do that? Anyway, you do you, and I'll do me. Again, go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. And with that, people, let's start the show. A is for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry, and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. I mean, yeah, I, I, we're in sync. Not this I'll be as, Lance Bass. I'll be um, uh, Fatone. Was he in sync? Or is that jo- oh, man. Fatone was dope. His name was dope, <laughs> though. Fat one. Yeah. AJ McLean? McLean? Is he, is he a sure. Backstreet? Or is he? Because I know he's a sober dude. I Is reached, he? I did. Yeah, I reached out to him to see if he wanted to be on the podcast when I found out he was sober, and I haven't heard back from him. I, yeah. I don't. But I mean, I'm sure he's a busy. Backstreet Boys. We'll see what happens. Yeah, they're very busy. <laughs> They've got a lot going on. Um, yeah, I, I I can only imagine. I I don't know what it's like to be a Backstreet Boy or a Backstreet Man. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've I've been back on some streets. Yeah, I've been. In I've the had back my streets. back. I've l- literally had my back on the street quite a number of times. Yeah. Oh Jesus! Yeah, on my face in the gutter. Yeah, on my face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's um, just like sleeping. Just taking a little sojourn, a little nap. Mm-hmm. Just a little, little re- repose, respite. Repose. That's repose. the word. Respite. That the word? A nice, a nice mid-afternoon Repense. outside respite. <laughs> Um, it's a beautiful afternoon out there. Did you go outside today yet or at all? Or? Uh, you know, no? it's, it's off and on today in Oregon. Cause it's okay. like, uh, in the mid sixties, cloudy tomorrow will be a lot nicer. I run tomorrow. I ran okay. yesterday. I did almost five hit a wall. That's dealt good. With some stuff. And now I'm ready to go. Yeah. Almost five, four seventy five was my day. Right on. Um, so we are here as a is for alcoholic. We are here yeah. to talk, do some sober talking. And some sober talking. <laughs> some sober talking. That's some different funny from walking. Yeah, it's different from jive talking, which is the 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 BG song. I don't know if you're a BG fan. Oh, right. Jive. Talking. I don't. Know, I wouldn't say I'm a fan, but I like when their music comes out. I'm like, oh, that's a good cut. But I don't have okay. a poster or a t-shirt. <laughs> I, I'd wear a t-shirt if someone gave you me one. Would you? Absolutely. You know what? Actually, now that we're on this, when I was in the first grade, I had a fucking Bee Gees lunchbox. I did. Really? Because, yeah, because I loved disco music when I was a little kid. And my mom, for some reason, the Bee Gees, maybe they had a movie out or something. Was it? They Saturday, Saturday Night, Night Fe- Fever? Fever. They did, they did the soundtrack to it. And I think that might have, I thought that was dope. Because I distinctly remember having a yellow plastic Bee Gees lunchbox and then I lost the thermos. Uh oh, that shit's gone. Yeah, I mean, it probably still exists if it hasn't been crushed. I mean, right. plastic lasts forever. Yeah, losing the thermos. Um, losing would, the it thermos. would be the, it would be the first of many drinks you would lose 
in the course yeah. of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, BGs. Thanks a lot, Gib Brothers. Yeah. So today on the on the old program, uh, the letter is you. And we're going to talk about, I'd like to talk about, we'll see where it goes. I have no idea. Sometimes these conversations do go off the rails. But uh, I'd like to talk about the unlikely allies that we mm-hmm. tend to, that I know that I have gathered and people I would never associate with in drinking life that I associate with in sobriety. Um, yeah. I think one of the one of the things that happens in um in um one of the things that happens in drinking is that our our world gets really small right yeah and part of that is just because we can't manage it any other way i don't know about you but i i certainly would find it just easier to shirk responsibilities hang out with the very few people, even during the some of the fun times. It wasn't about meeting new yeah. people. It was about maybe going to a bar and um and like imposing myself on new people, but it certainly wasn't about like <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> I love imposing yourself on people. Just mm-hmm. being like, I am here. Mm-hmm. Witness me. So I think um I think that that's that's one of those things where in sobriety I ha- I was it was almost like I had to ask for help, right? That's how that's how I got yeah. sober. So, I have to ask for help and I'm not going to find help in the same place that I that I found drinking and and so you just create these new relationships with people who come from all walks of life, especially, you know, in the program that you and I prescribe to. Anybody can walk mm-hmm. into to the building, anybody can walk into the meeting, anybody can Right anybody can join, you know, and, um, you just start to realize like, oh shit, this alcoholism thing affects all kinds of people. And it's right. I mean, you're not to bring up too much, but like your home group for a minute was LGBTQ, right? Like it was. Yeah. And so these are not people that you necessarily would associate on a regular basis like not i mean not not that i avoided no not that you avoided them. i know what you mean though but it wasn't a circle i ran in necessarily Mm -hmm. and but i felt really comfortable in that group yeah and and i found that like um the same thing here in my area i i live in a i live in a community of much older people just generally speaking there's i'm i am not the i am not these people are all in their 50s and 60s and so I found myself surrounded by all these quote unquote old people. And, um, I think it was probably for the best. I think I probably found more stable and, um, calm in these older people than I might have otherwise. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just, it's a unique, it's a unique thing. I mean, when we were drinking, who, who did we hang out with? Just us. Just us. I mean, we drank in close proximity, though, to gay people and old people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it did, we were not we were not but, opposed you know. to it, but it was not. It was it was just you you go where you feel comfortable and where you don't. If you don't know somebody or you don't know something, I mean, mm-hmm. I would just avoid it. I would just run from it. Right. Well, and the thought is too. I was thinking, like, I drank in gay bars. I drank in bars 
old people bars, but I never learned anything in them. Mm-hmm. I never learned how to do things in there yeah. other than to to drink or what to call the glass I'm drinking out of. Do you know what I mean? Right. Or that, oh, the shit in the, the well is the cheap shit, and they call it the well or the rack or whatever. You know, those are the bar shit. I learned bar shit in bars. Yeah. There was... But uh, I never learned how to do anything in my life in a bar. Not necessarily. <clears throat> and isn't that amazing? Like... I I am still blown away sometimes by the fact that like I didn't know how to do anything, <laughs> and I would well, still wake and up and function on some like base right. level. I mean, I must have learned some shit. I think I learned bigger lessons than smaller lessons. I I, I want to rephrase that. I didn't learn coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. and I didn't necessarily learn how to better myself as a person in a bar. But I did learn things. It's just like the conversation we were having earlier with Mishka. Um, and he was saying, like, alcoholics are, like, the toughest fucking people in the world, mm-hmm. you know? So I learned how to be resilient through my act of alcoholism. Right. He, he brings that point up a lot. But um, but you're right. It's these unlikely allies, these these people who would not normally mix, you know, to use the, the language of the program. But I, I, I think it's all out of desperation, and then you find your common thread, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I would have ended up – I know I've said before, and we've talked about it, I, I, I think I was saying it to Dirk when we were doing the VH uh, Us program is uh, that I was like, well, our common thread was alcohol, which it, it, now that I've thought about it out of context, that, well, I sat down and thought about it. I was like, well, no, it wasn't our common thread. That just happened to be the pastime that you and I were most passionate about. It was like, <laughs> yes. you know what I'm saying? But we had a common thread mm-hmm. in the sense that we both had similar experiences growing up. We liked a lot of the same things. And we were at that young enough age where I'm like, mm-hmm. You like Morrissey and The Simpsons. I like Morrissey and The Simpsons. Let's be friends. Oh, and also you like to get fucked up? Now we're going to be really good friends. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, but I think those – I don't – but I wouldn't call us unlikely. I think we would have ended up being friends regardless of what. You know, just because we – you and I are not unlikely allies. We're like two sensitive boys. Yes. You know what I mean? Like very sensitive men now, you know? Mm-hmm. But, but for me to sit in a room – or even for me to be at work and talk to someone and find out they're in recovery as well. And I know we have this shared common thing, this this thing that's in us that makes us, compels us to do things a specific way. I feel a lot of kinship with people I would have normally have never felt kinship with. Mm-hmm. Like you said, old people or, you know, just like the crazy wild fucking juggalo dude, you mm-hmm. know, sitting next to me in the meeting, you know, with like some fucking... You know, I was going to say face tattoos, but I have one. So I'm like, yo, welcome to the club, homie. Where'd you get yours? But, well, you know, it's just people I normally would have judged in the past. I ended mm-hmm. up becoming really close with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think there's a level of um, judgment that gets shed, especially when you talk to somebody who maybe lives on the street. You know, I haven't, I yeah. haven't come mm-hmm. in contact. I haven't been to any of the, 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 I don't want to say scarier, but any of the heavier meetings in some of the bigger cities. Um, but I have talked to a couple of people who were struggling with housing. Uh, I've talked to people who were very well off and very, very well off. And the conversations were very similar, you know, about sobriety. Yeah. The conversations did not. It was like, OK, I have this problem. Well, how did you deal with this problem? Well, I struggled with it. I drank. I slept on the street. I slept in my car. Other people will say, oh, well, I went to rehab and um, I was able to, you know, take 30 days off and then figure it all out. Mm -hmm. And so 
I'm just always blown away. Like when I think about the people that I know now and where they came from, I mean, crank snorting bikers and, you know, Catholic right, priests right. and mm-hmm. um, housewives and people who work in television and people who work in the wine business and yeah. all of these things, you know, it just, and I feel like you said that immediate kinship when you find out, Oh, okay, cool. So yeah. So you're into, you're in real estate or you do this or you do that, but like, okay, so we can talk. I don't even need to say like, Hey, what do you do? I don't need to. Right. Right. That's not even, because that's not the interesting question anymore. No, it's, it's you and I now have a thread because we're both really familiar with that hard part of ourselves. We're both very familiar with the hard part of ourselves and very familiar <laughs> with like how hard life can be at that point. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I don't have to be like, yeah, exactly. Be like, so how's the housing market? Man, I don't give a fuck about the housing market. Do you know what I mean? But I'm trying to find my indoor to get comfortable with you. Or, right. You know, and, and and every personality differs. It's not like I'm going to have immediate bond with someone. I just am aware. I almost actually, and I don't know, man, I almost actually forgive other uh, recovery, like other sober addicts and other sober alcoholics. I give them a little more leeway. Sometimes even other alcoholics who are actively alcoholic, I may be annoyed at them, but in going through this, not even just this program, but this process of getting sober, I give them a little more leeway. Mm -hmm. Like for example, there was a guy that worked in the same industry as I do in my town and he had a really hard relapse. He had been sober for a long period of time. He had a really hard relapse. His life of course fell the fuck apart completely 100%. And in this relapse, he was trying to find money to get more of whatever substance he was using. So he plagiarized some art from a coworker of mine and said that he did it and was offering to tattoo it on people or offering to print it out and sell it as a print mm. in order for him to get money so he could buy whatever he needed to get high. And everybody jumped on his ass. Everybody was like, fuck that guy. I hope that, you know, just flat out, it was all vitriol. Just fuck that guy. People were writing him on Facebook. I hope you die and just awful mean shit to this guy, right? And I get it. Like one side of me, I understand the anger. Like, I understand being like, yo, that you crossed the line in this little industry we have. But the other side of me was like, I get it, though. Like, I, I, I don't condone where you're coming from, but I understand where you're coming from. And you're in a hole right mm-hmm. now. And so anything you can do, you have to do because you're desperate. You're in a hole. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. And I think uh, people who haven't felt that style, that type of desperation, who have felt their own desperation, but maybe nothing to that depth for that meter, they don't get it like the way I would I don't but see I don't want to separate myself from other people when I say that but I just I guess my point is I understood it more so in my mind mentally deeply inside I gave this person a little more leeway instead of getting my pitchfork and my torch and being like let's fucking skin him you know I was just like yo man that dude is going through some shit he shouldn't have done that that was fucked up but I I understand the shit he's going through because I've done some shit in my life that I am super ashamed of you know Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, I I I feel exactly the same way. I know that I've had conversations Mm -hmm. with people uh, who are not alcoholics about something that somebody else has done. And Mm -hmm. I have to kind of go, well, somebody wouldn't do that unless they were in a really desperate spot. Somebody wouldn't do that unless they really felt like it was the only way for them to get out of the spot that they were in. And to to be an addict and not have what you're addicted to is pretty fucking terrifying yeah oh it's absolutely terrifying when you're in it when you're in the when hole, you're in it you know? when you're in the hole it's yeah. terrifying and so i would always be like well 
let's look at it that way, you know. And then they, there's the old um, right there, but for the grace of God go I adage, right? And right. it really helps me step back from being angry and judgmental towards somebody's actions because right. And my girlfriend always reminds me of this a lot too. Is she'll say, "It's not the person that I have the problem with; it's their behavior." Yes, it's their behavior. And so right. this is something that I have. I have worked on and and still sometimes struggle, but even with close friends of mine who still drink, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, yeah. well, that's not – it's not them that I'm frustrated with. It's not them that I'm bothered with. It's the behavior. And even trying to have a conversation with that person and say, hey, man, your behavior really doesn't work with me or, hey, I really don't like when you do this. That I know that that's not always going to get through to them, Right. Yeah, I'm making a note of that because I love it. It's and it's such a common sense thing to say, and I fucking what? spell everything horribly. It's not the person I have a problem with; it's their behavior. I've, I've, I haven't thought of putting it within that context. At least mm-hmm. I haven't recently, mm-hmm. you know. And so I made a post that's so I can stick it to my dry erase board <laughs> because I do love that, and it's very pragmatic. It's very to the fucking point. It's like it's not you. Well, sometimes it is you, not you, but you know what I mean? Sometimes it is the other person and fuck them. They just entirely, I don't like them because I'm a human being and I'm stuck with those things sometimes. But you're right. Sometimes it's just the way they act. Like you as a person, you're cool. And what I do is I always, with people's behaviors, I always push it off like, oh no, I love this person. No, Mm -hmm. no, this, I love this person. This person's really close to me. But they're just fucking make me so mad at them. Do you know what I mean? Like, and blah, right. blah, 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 blah. Instead of rephrasing it, recontextualizing it to, it's not them as a person. It's the way they act. Yeah. You know, or their behavior, you know. So, I'm, I, yeah, I wrote it down. That's which is, which is not to say that if that behavior doesn't work for you, you have to tolerate it because it's not them. You just, no, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, you just say, that's not acceptable around me if you want to act that way. And... And even there's been times where I haven't done it um, directly, but I just don't, I don't respond to that behavior when it comes my way. So if somebody's being, say, flaky because I know that they're drinking and they don't follow through when they say they're going to follow through or they don't show up when they say they're going to show up and then they come around and like, okay, I'm ready to do that thing now. Mm-hmm. I just go. Oh, I'm sorry that that window's gone. I I don't I don't have that time available. You know, right. I'm not I'm not interested, or, nor am I willing to drop everything and say, "Oh, okay, cool. You're ready now. Let's go." Like I'm not right. I'm not interested in being a puppy. But I so so maybe that's still some sort of passive enabling because I'm not directly. I'm not I'm not bringing up the behavior that bothers me but directly but it's like also i i don't know always that bringing that behavior up to them is going to be helpful unless they're that's ready what to- i was thinking yeah because i deal with similar things in my life as well and i find that just not engaging at all in any way tends to make me feel a lot better mm-hmm. so if someone is trying to start shit with me because they're feeling unhappy or they're frustrated or they're having a hard time if they're trying to actively engage me to get me to argue with them i've been making a really active stance to just back away and not be part of it at all and it it tends to make me feel a lot better about life than actively engaging so i mean it depends on 
what you want out of this back and forth with that. In my opinion, what I want with this back and forth out of this person where I can call them out and be like, yo, your behavior's whack and it fucking bums me out. But then I know that I'm going to need to have some time to sit down and unpack that shit too, mm-hmm. you know, cause we're going to be having a fucking talk, you know? Yeah. Or I can just back off and be like, look, you're unhappy. I'm sorry. You're unhappy. I, I just can't participate in your unhappiness or your flakiness or whatever it is, behavior it is that's bothering me. Where's the deal breaker? Where's where's that last straw, you know? And it's all like, it's up to you how you feel. Or, yeah. or you can be unhappy and mm-hmm. you can be upset, but you certainly can't yell at me or in the room around me. You know, and I mean, right, depending right. on what it is, and it, it's 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 a lot harder when it's people who are close to you. It's a lot harder when it's people you are in a relationship with or uh, related to. You know, right, right. But and we all deserve respect. We all, everybody, mm-hmm. even assholes, to some extent, deserve some respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a weird statement for me to throw out there because I have to blanket <laughs> the whole motherfucker. I know, but I know. We all deserve respect, and so I feel like, yeah, like if you're feeling like you're not being respected, it's. You don't deserve that. Like, you deserve to be treated at least humanely, you know? Now it's just getting deep, though. It's getting deep. Well, you can't... <laughs> Kierkegaard can't, waters. You, you can't, but if you don't if you don't treat... Even if somebody is behaving in such a, in a bad way and you don't treat them with respect... I mean, you're right. not, not going to be able to... If, you, if this is a relationship you want to continue... You're not right. going to be able to cultivate and develop that in any meaningful way, right. if if I'm not if I'm not willing to show them some respect. Because, say somebody's yelling at me, they're yelling at me because they're angry at me or angry at a situation. It's because they're afraid or they're feeling hurt. So right. So right. I mean, we we can agree that like anger is just um, fear that's being projected outward. Right. Pretty much. Pretty, pretty much. much. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. There's always so, a I caveat. Mean, it's just, yeah, there always is. And it really just depends on what what you're willing to manage. At the end of the day, it all really breaks down to these really simple kind of things, doesn't it? I mean, it's like what is manageable to you? What is manageable to you and what are you willing to invest into? You know, mm-hmm. like, what are you willing to invest your time into? It's just like, hey, man, just, I mean, it's a sobriety podcast. Was I willing to manage my time into alcohol? And was my life manageable with alcohol? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I had to break it down. Like, this is not working, you know? <clears throat> yeah. And uh, you, uh, so I can look at people that way, too, and be like, this is not working. I don't want to have a blowout with you, but I'm definitely going to, like, take a more passive role in your life because this is just not this is unmanageable for me. This just bums me the fuck out. There are there are other things and other people and other ways of communicate other relationships that I want to be more involved in. Right. You know? That that yeah, that are more beneficial for me and this other person. Mm-hmm. And also I'm I'm Jerry, I'm so sorry. I didn't start this at the top of the hour and I forgot to mm. tell our listeners that Mishka Shibali is going to be on. We're going to put him on the the conversation we had with him earlier will be at the end of this episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's why I was talking about Mishka. And I, know, I was like, it's yeah, okay. I brought that up yet. But I, yeah. so I don't want to derail the conversation, but I just want to make sure that we know. No, no. Uh, Mishka Shivali well, yeah, well, uh, just put out an audio book um, called Cold Turkey uh, How to Quit Without AA or Rehab, How to Quit Drinking Without AA or Rehab. He's written a bunch of um, best selling Kindle singles, uh, he's a mm-hmm. singer songwriter. I put him in the mm-hmm. same vein as, you know, 
Tom Waits and Mark Lanigan and you know, he has a lot of dark, brooding, gravelly throated yeah. music yeah. songs about mm-hmm. drinking and songs about loss and love. Well that's and, how I found him actually. Yeah. I found him drinking. When you were talking to him and you're like, Hey, I found you through this or that or however, I found him because Stanhope, Doug Stanhope's mm-hmm. podcast, Mishka Doug used one of Mishka's songs. For the intro, and it's that, am I the only one drinking tonight? And yeah. I was still drinking when I heard that song, and I was like, holy shit, someone wrote a song about me. Because I loved the sentiment of like, mm-hmm. really, I'm the only one here drinking? Because how many times did you feel that? I mean, I don't know. If, so many. You, I mean, yes. Okay, because like, I wasn't really, like once I got back to Arizona and had the family and my daughter and my wife, like I wasn't in the bar scene anymore. Like I, I had to live like this other type of life and so we would go out to like family parties and shit and i would just get shit-faced every time and then be like what am i the only one fucking drinking at this two-year-old's birthday party what the (laughs) fuck you know what everybody here is just a bunch of mormons now so i had found him through that and then i i went into recovery i got sober and then i had started do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like more and more kind of looking him up on the internet and trying to figure him out because i wanted to go back and revisit that song and see what context i had then i realized oh shit this dude wrote a bunch of books and yeah. 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 So we he was nice mm-hmm. enough to uh, join us and talk about his new book. And and as somebody who uh, went through a very different uh, path of recovery than him, I have nothing but respect for his opinion and um, and his writing and his his approach. So, yeah, it was absolutely. super awesome. Um, so anyway, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> so anyway, um, but yeah, so I says to Mabel, Mabel, Mabel says, <laughs> is that the Simpsons? Is that Bart Simpson? Uh huh. <laughs> It was one of those non sequiturs like coming back from a commercial, right? He's so like, anyway, I says to Mabel, Mabel, I says, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I am always blown away by meeting somebody and going, oh, you too? Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, usually they don't wear a t-shirt. No. You know what I'm saying, though? Like, usually, yeah. It always blows me away, too. And I always find that, that yeah. <laughs> those unlikely allies. I think what we need to do, what I would like to see as a culture is we need to drop this, not just the stigma, but the stereotype of what an alcoholic is. And I think the common trope of what an alcoholic is, because I think it causes more harm than it does work as a signifier. What is Um, the trope? Fucking homeless dude shitting his pants rolling around the ground. And that dude's just as much of an alcoholic as I am. And I'm just as much an alcoholic as that guy. Right? But. Like, we both understand that. Mm-hmm. But I think to a lot of people who could go looking for help, that idea of, oh, I'm a ho- I- I'm not an alcoholic because I'm not a homeless dude rolling around in his own shit. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. so, well, I don't need to get help for this. And I'm doing just fine. I've only had five or six DUIs. I'm great. You know what I Or not five or six. That's a lot. But they had the three <laughs> or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and so I think this idea of this rock bottom desperation down low end of the line shit. It just, I don't know, man. I think we need to just say, like, let that shit go. You know? Those people exist. You know? And I want to give them... Do you know what I mean? Like, I want to give them their credence as well. But then there's people like you and I exist, who we call mid-bottom. Right. High-bottom, mm-hmm. low-bottom, you know? And <laughs> I understand they're signifiers, but at times they can be really kind of counterproductive. Like, is my mid-bottom doesn't have as much significance as another person's low-bottom? Like, should I not learn from them and should they not learn from me? You know? So it's weird, man. I don't think I don't think it's helpful either to, um, to compare pain... 
<laughs> do you know what do you I know mean? What I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I love that. That's great. Exactly. Yeah. We don't have to, you know, my pain is not worse than yours because I had legal troubles or yeah, it's, it's, it's all, it's all relative. It still hurts when you're, even if you don't get any DUIs and even if you don't destroy your marriage and maybe you're, it still hurts, right? Yes. Yes. So you still understand that fire and that compulsion that makes you return to the same thing that you're using to cause your problems and then solve your problems. Mm -hmm. You you just keep returning to this thing. So we both have it. You know, we both have it. You may have it a little differently than me. We all understand the sensation of a mild headache. We all get them. We may get them a little different. They may feel a little different, but we understand this word headache means this. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So although there is this spectrum of alcoholism, which, you know, Mishka brings up as well in his book. And I think it's, I, I love that part. You know, it, there's a lot of left or right in in, the, in culture right now. A lot of black or white. Mm-hmm. It's either this or that. There's nothing in between. You know, and that's even when I was little, I always thought that was bullshit. You're either here or there. You're with mm-hmm. us or with them. And I'm like, no, nah, it doesn't really. It's never worked that way. Right. You know, it's never worked that way in my life. So, so this idea of like you're either you're either an alcoholic or you're not an alcoholic. Like there is a gray area in between the two, you know, like people come up and tell me all the time, like, well, I got sober. I didn't, I maybe not had the same problem as you, but I found where every time I drank, I couldn't stop drinking, but mm-hmm. I didn't drink every night. I didn't drink a fifth every night or mm-hmm. I didn't do these behaviors you did. And I'm like, yeah, but you still drank would be, you still drank alcoholically for lack of a better term. You know, you drank alcoholically. So, yeah. And, you know, I look at somebody like I read um, Annie Grace's book, This Naked Mind. Yeah. And uh-huh. her whole thing is she posits that alcoholic is not the right term to use. Nobody's an uh-huh. alcoholic, she says. That, right. That it's that. And so she has a whole nother way of looking at it. And I don't think it's any less valid than my way of looking at it and calling myself a sober alcoholic. Right. Right. That's that I, I think if that if you require a different path, then please let there be a path available for you. You know, I remember right. reading her book in the beginning and um, having a little twinge of like, hey, this this program that worked for me and not that she denounced it, but there was just saying like that is not necessary for you to get sober. And so maybe mm-hmm. in that chapter of her book. She wasn't talking to me. She was talking to somebody else who didn't have my experience. And that's fine. Exactly. Because that's a great way of looking at it. Because <laughs> 90% of her book, I was like, this is spot on, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and we talked with Mishka and the same thing too, where I was like, for a second, for a minute, I was like, hey, I was like, oh, okay. I see what you're getting at. I was like, maybe John don't jump to conclusions and listen a little bit further, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, cause yeah. that's, that's me just getting defensive and being like, nah, you can't talk about me like you that. You can't talk about me and my precious program that way, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, and see for me, I, I, in the beginning, I, I would read like go online and read the orange papers, which is incredibly critical of AA and incredibly critical of that program and mm-hmm. says that it does more damage than help and those things. And I used to get kind of fucked off about it, like get kind of worked like, oh, how dare you? This is working for me. And now that I've worked it for a little while, I like I, I like welcome the criticism because I want to hear it because I have been critical of everything in my entire life. So why would I put 100 percent credence into this thing now? Because of fear or because it helped me get sober or because I got sober through it. 
So I see it as this valuable tool that mm-hmm. I go back to that I'm grateful for the people using that tool who showed me how they used it. Now the program itself, it's an awesome program. It works great for some people, you know, but at the same point, it was the people in the room using the tools that they had learned through the program that showed me how to use these tools as well. I don't know, man. It's just, I, I t- mm-hmm. for me to get defensive about it, it's just the same as like a hardcore Christian being upset that you're 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 shitting on the bible or you have a problem with the bible right things need to adapt they need to change things need to flex you know like that's just the way it is there's yeah. no left or right there's no this or that mm-hmm. you know it's just it's all man it's a goddamn gray rainbow of a gray rainbow don't want to be <laughs> drunk no more you know what i'm saying yeah a gray rainbow i don't mm-hmm. know why i see the gradation the spectrum in my head has always been shades of gray well and i think that Sometimes I've been, I've been, I've felt more than one way about it. I haven't always, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's easy to say, well, I've always felt like an alcoholic. And there's been moments where I, well, I think I probably always felt like an alcoholic and I'm fine, <laughs> you know, defining right. myself that way. But I would never, if somebody said, hey, man, I didn't get sober the way that you got sober, I wouldn't find that dismissive. I would be like, hey, well, what do you mean? Well, what did right. you do? That's yeah. always and my fascination and curiosity mm-hmm. is what's an interest in that. Like, what do you what do you mean? You didn't you right. didn't have to do it this way, or you found something different, or maybe there's right. common threads in all of these things, right? Mm-hmm. If you're gonna use the like if you're gonna use the um the analogy of religion, like there's common threads. Right. In all in right. many, many religions, yes. right? And yeah. there's borrowings mm-hmm. and there's you know, rewritings and there is reinterpretations and retranslations. And so I feel like I, the more I read, the more I, um, the more I see that's similar rather than is different. Right. And exactly. so just trying to figure out this thing called life. Well, right. All, like all soup stocks start with water, man. You know? <laughs> all soup has to start with water, you know? <laughs> So if we're in this doing this, it all has to have this common thread. And this common thread is I can't fucking drink anymore mm-hmm. because I just can't. I just can't do this anymore. This is not working. No. This is like actually actively the opposite of working. It's like fucking my shit up. So then we just got to find it from there. Mm-hmm. What works for there? I, I honestly think being critical of things is fine. It's just there is a t- there are times where I get defensive and that's when people are being hostile. Hostile is not helpful to anyone no. unless you're trying to fight a bear or something, I guess. <laughs> but but hostile doesn't work. So hostile, I'm going to close off to. But critical, I'm always like I always brighten up to criticism because I'm like, yeah, yeah. Because like I said, my whole life I've questioned everything. All of a sudden, I'm supposed to walk in this room and take it all 100% without asking questions. You know, that's that to me is not. I don't. I can't do that. It's just not in my personality. Mm-hmm. I I looked at it too as. Um, yeah, you did. You know, yeah. when I first went in, it was very much this, I had this this feeling of investigative journalism, like, I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> like, what's really going on here? Yeah. Hmm. I don't think this is yeah. going to work for me, but let's go ahead and check mm-hmm. it out because uh, because I'm just a, I'm a detective. And you this little hat with a little press, <laughs> yeah, a little exactly. press thing in your hat band. You mm-hmm. just got a flask in your pocket. Just- <laughs> Basically, <laughs> in, the, in the fucking blazer, the rumpled trench coat and the fucking uh-huh. rumpled hat. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. Yeah. And 
I'm so glad that I did. And I'm so glad that I was skeptical. And I'm so glad that I wasn't interested in, in taking it all in all at once. And, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and, and I am so grateful for everything that the people that I have found and the path that I've taken has allowed me to be here and feel as good as I do today. Yeah. You know, like I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't say, oh, well, huh. I don't, I didn't need that. Or I wouldn't have, I, if I, if only I had known this, I wouldn't have done this. Or, I mean, that doesn't help anything. That's like going back and trying to think about like what I should have done doesn't help anything. So, right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just the same as feeling sorry for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just not productive. It's just a <clears throat> exercise in self pity. It's just not helpful. You know, I mean, if everybody's allowed a little bit, but come on now. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, take, <laughs> take some time. Go, go. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. That's what I mean. You're allowed a little bit every once in a while, but once you start getting a little wild with it, you got to really check yourself. Cause I get, I, and I, it's more me talking to myself. Mm-hmm. Once I became aware of that behavior that I was doing that, I tried, I've tried my hardest to not do it. And I don't do it as much now that I've, I've, I've noticed that in myself, but. Do you think you? But yeah, there are times where I'm like, man, I fucked it all up. I fucked it all up, man. A little too much fucking glug glug, and now I'm sitting here like a fucking ding dong, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Do you think? Do you think you? It's like it's easy to get addicted to pitying yourself. Absolutely, because I'm addicted to anger. I'm addicted to all kinds of shit right now. Mm-hmm. Like, especially pity, because you get that dopamine hit, and there's that. Ex- that like other that other voice in your head that's you but not you you know that like pats you on the back and goes it's mm-hmm. okay Johnny you know yeah you really did fuck up buddy you fucked up pretty bad and life isn't working the way it should be working for you because you know you fucked it all up and it'll never work the way you want it to work you know that's what the voice would tell me inside mm-hmm. I'd feel kind of good like I'd feel a little good like yeah you're right you're fucking right everybody's gonna be sorry you know yeah. And uh, yeah, I would absolutely get addicted to that because I get a little push. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, uh, you know, I, I I like that we interviewed him and we listened to the book because I like referring back to again. Yeah, it makes this great point in the book about uh, cross cross addiction. About about how you replace one addiction for another. Right. And how he thinks that's bullshit. And I really like that. I felt empowered listening to that. You know, people going, oh, well, now you're addicted to AA. I've literally had people say, what, are you addicted to AA now? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, I'm not addicted to AA or I'm not addicted to recovery. This is my, I'm living my life. They'd be like, are you addicted to breathing? You fucking bitch. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you running? Yeah. Like, well, no, I just, it's, there's nothing wrong with a healthy habit. And, oh, what mm-hmm. are you, addicted? What are you just going to run yourself into the ground? Well, you better be careful. Fuck You're going to work. What does he say? Something about the conversation he's having with the overweight dude smoking marbles right. and drinking whiskey. Yeah. And like, You're really going to blow out your knees. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes. well, I'll worry about that when I get there, man. I was, I was, right. I had no problem worrying, you know, I had no problem blowing out my liver. Right. I did it gladly mm-hmm. for one point and then just felt sad about it afterwards. But so that cross addiction thing, I know we're kind of going off this path, but that's okay. That's we, okay. I think we're past paths. We don't need <laughs> we, roads. Right. We don't need roads, man. But uh, <clears throat> I think that idea of trading one addiction for another, I, when I heard him, you know, when I, 
when I heard him say it in the book, I was like, yeah, someone has verbalized that feeling I've had in the past. You know, it's just like me with the diet Cokes, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm physically addicted to caffeine and I have an emotional kind of dependence towards my behavior has an emotional dependence towards it. But it's also one of those things where I'm like, I didn't trade diet Coke for booze. Do you know what I mean? I may have found a familiar behavior in it, but it's not like, do you? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Or even like your behaviors towards ice cream. Yeah. It's not like you need to go to a fucking 12 step for ice cream, you know, or at least you're, but you understand and see, not yet. Exactly. And there are people who do go to 12 steps for their, their food addictions. I always have to throw this shit in there because I don't want to be a dick. But anyway, it's, it's my, I recognize my behavior towards it and now I'm owning it. So I'm looking at it going, is this a manageable behavior for me? Because once it becomes unmanageable, then I know, okay, this has gotten out of hand. I need to not fuck with it. Just like what you did with ice cream, mm-hmm. right? Like, but I also know that like, if you eat a little bit of ice cream, you're not going to fucking spin out and go fuck. Do you know what I mean? Probably go to not. jail because of your ice cream shit, you know? Probably not. Um, you know, like I, so my girlfriend and I, the way that we've been dealing with the quarantine, and this is gonna, this mm-hmm. is gonna, this has a point to it, is that her and I are the only ones we're seeing. So I'll like, but we don't live together. So right, I'll go over to her house, and sometimes she'll, I mean, almost always she cooks a bunch of food, and she'll give me food to take home, and it's real. We have a lovely time, and so we spend like three days together, and then I come home, and she does the work that she does from home, and I do what I do, and um. So this last time she was like, you know what? She bought, she buys this ice cream. It's like this Vixen vanilla sort of maple syrup sweetened to no refined sugar, you know, quote unquote Mm. healthy. It's still 800 calories for the whole pint. I know this. Right. (laughs) And she'll make little ice cream sundaes that are a little more healthier than normal. Right. You know, put a little Mm -hmm. of that organic peanut butter and the juice sweetened jelly on there and make these lovely little things. And she's like, you know what, John, I I think I'm over it. If you want the ice cream, you can go ahead and have it. You know, she just gave Mm -hmm. me the pint. We didn't open it. And she's just, you know, and she gave me a couple other things and she's just like, I just don't want it and I'm not going to eat it. And, um, I said, okay. And in my mind, I'm like, Ooh, the ice cream's coming home with me, the whole pint. And so now it's sitting okay. it's sitting in my freezer. In the fucking car on the way home. You better not <laughs> No, have. no, I didn't. I didn't. It's well the problem with the with the with these healthy ice creams is they don't you gotta thaw them out. You can't you can't dig right yeah, into it. Yeah, they're hard as fuck. Also, why are you eating the whole pint? But go ahead. Yes. So I didn't so I didn't eat the whole pint. I haven't opened it yet, Good. but it's sitting in there and I'm like, John, what is your behavior gonna be around this pint of ice cream? Are you going to right. fucking throw it in the microwave for a minute and then crush that thing in like five minutes and then feel like shit for the next, you know, 40 minutes? Right. Or can you have a half a cup or even a cup and be cool? So I don't can know. Can you? That's, that's, this will be your quarantine experiment. And if not, just throw it in the fucking yard. Let it melt. And then you, nobody can have it. <laughs> See, that <laughs> never occurred to me. It was it. always like, how am I going to eat this? So... So I mean, yeah, it's an experiment, but again, if it's if it's a behavior that doesn't get in the way of what you're trying to accomplish, then it's probably okay, right? Right. I mean, right. especially if it's something right. healthy well, like exercise. Right. I love running. I do. I wish. Uh, I wish I could do it more. I I, I have my little workout regimen, but I enjoy running. Mm-hmm. I really do. I, it it it's good for me. Have mm-hmm. I have I switched out alcohol for working out? I don't know. I mean, probably, probably not, but I'm working out, dog. Like, it feels good. I feel good. 
It's You've switched out a lot of things. Yeah. You switched out a whole life. It's a whole like switched out a whole life. Transplant. I got this whole new thing going on, dude. I'm silver foxing it over here like George <laughs> Clooney on fucking welfare. I'm killing mm-hmm. it. Dude. You but you know what I mean? It's not like one activity <laughs> for another. It's not like you now I don't even know. I get what you're saying. Yeah. And so the idea of cross addiction to me is always kind of, there are behaviors that we are maybe more susceptible to, Mm -hmm. but we can also be more aware of those behaviors and see them. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So the idea to me is, is kind of hinky. Yeah. When people, now if I gave up drinking and started fucking gambling like a wild person, well, yeah, there's an issue there. Like it's Mm -hmm. definitely firing off that part of my brain. Right. That makes things unmanageable for me. Right. But um, and I want to circle back to our, to our Let's circle back to our topic. Um, mm-hmm. I think two unlikely allies is that when we're drinking, when I was drinking, even the people closest to me, I felt were either against me, or Ooh. or didn't care about me. So mm-hmm. in some in some respect, or how could they care about me when I'm such a fucking pathetic loser? Yeah. How could my how could my mother? you know, actually love me if I'm such a fuck up, like, or how could I ever be in a healthy relationship? Because who could love a wretch like me? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. In sobriety, I've become closer to my mom. I've been able to develop a healthy relationship with somebody who I never would have even gotten anywhere near being able to know had I still been drinking. Right. So I think that those unlikely allies are, can be people who are in front of us. I mean, I know you talk about when you and your wife were at odds near the end of your drinking. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and that's, that was part of the impetus, you know, I'm sure that was the, the, the biggest external one, but I think that was the tipping point. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, everything kind of built up and that was just kind of where I was like, okay, cool. Here, here's my, my reality check. Like this is where it got really real on me. Yeah. But as soon as you changed your behavior and started taking, you know, taking control of your life, her attitude and support of you probably changed. I don't want to say overnight, yeah. but it was certainly developed into something where you're like, holy shit, this person's on my team. And not right. that you ever doubted it, but there was a point where you were getting ready to fucking quit the team. Just No, by- I doubted <laughs> it by the end there, yeah. Because I was like in that alcohol psychosis where I was like having a lot of fucking paranoia and feeling a certain way. I totally doubted her commitment to team jerry (laughs) (laughs) at the end there just and the same thing with my parents i salvaged a lot with them they loved me and they cared about me even at my worst they still Mm -hmm. loved me and cared about me i was actually enabled a little bit by my mom and dad i think a little bit by the end there not that i'm saying they're bad people i'm just saying you always enable the people you love because you love them you know and i feel like the depth of our relationship has gotten deeper you know the 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 way we relate to each other has gotten a lot better um, it is funny, right? Cause the subject of unlikely allies, it just seems like you could only be like, well, I go to meetings with all kinds of people, you know, but there's so much more to it than that. Mm-hmm. You know? There's just so much more depth you can find in people that you couldn't before. Even people who were likely allies, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so much more that you can learn from them. I like learning shit now, man. Right. I'm like, oh, that's a lesson. Yeah. It's like even we were talking to Mishka earlier and you're like, you didn't have any questions. I'm like, no, man, I just want to learn. Like, I just want to listen and hear Mm -hmm. this person's perspective on things. You know, I'm very curious about it. Mm -hmm. That's why I let you ask all the questions because you ask the good (laughs) questions. And I'm like, 
now I get to get a couple more nuggets out of this, you know, like, and learn something and maybe apply it in my life, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know, man, because this is all we got. This is all, this we, is all got. we got, man, during the Rona virus, dude. I'm not even going <laughs> to yell it like Cardi B, though, but this is all we got during the Rona. You know, uh -huh. we got to learn some shit. Maybe come out of this, we learn some shit instead of the, all the memes about like, oh, I day drank and never took off my fucking robe. Like, maybe yeah. I learned, I, hopefully I learned something out of this because I don't want to be the meme. No, yeah. I don't. Don't be the meme. Don't no. be the meme, dude. Well, Rage and you against know, the meme. Rage against the meme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let me ask you this. Speaking of unlikely allies. So we're sitting here. We've been mm. doing this for almost two years now, Jerry, if you can believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, longer before we hit record. But in that year that you were getting sober and I was still drinking, did it ever occur to you that we that our friendship would be anything more than peripheral at that point? Like, did you, I, did I, you ever imagine you yeah. didn't, I mean, I knew you were busy with your, I'm not, this sounds fucking egotistical now of me. I wonder but, what John's up to right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I know that you had your own life to fucking unravel and put back together, but you, you got put in that category with all the others while I was getting sober in the beginning. In the sense that I was like, these are people I'm going to have to eventually say bye to in my own way because I just can't, I can't manage that lifestyle that they're living. You know, it was like, and actually the, the funny part is a lot of that group of you that I had put in that box, a bunch of you are sober now, or at least a handful of <laughs> you that don't funny? drink anymore. Yeah. It's really funny because I'm like, oh shit, the drunk that hung out with all the other drunks, they're all the drunks are realizing they're drunks. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So for me, it wasn't this conscious lopping off of a limb and losing a friendship. It was more like that just subtle ghosting of a friendship that happens. You know, the people that you were closest with in your 20s, well, you tend to like keep those people around a lot. But there are some of those people who they disappear, they just f disappear. They just fade and they go into their lives. So I thought, well, you know, you're not all immediate in my face, so I don't have to cut you off. I right. just have to just fade out like a phantasm. Just mm -hmm. back and so that's what I thought was going to happen with you. I, I, but I also knew that you're, I, I, I knew you were making these hesitation marks in your life. Like you were experimenting with the idea of, of sobriety and recovery. You had even talked to me about it before I even mm -hmm. went in, I got sober. I mean, I think you were talking about it when we were living in Seattle still, still in the thick of drinking. And you were like, man, I'm thinking about doing this or I'm thinking about doing that or, you know. Yeah. So I always knew that it was in there. I just never knew you'd follow through. I never <laughs> Me neither. Follow through. I really didn't. Even as a drunk, as a drunk, I, as an active drunk, I was like, John's not gonna get. He's gonna get in the fucking hole with me. We're both in the hole. This is fun. You know, mm -hmm. we're all in this hole. There's a yeah. shitload of us in this hole together. You know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I sobered up, and then you sobered up a year later, and I was like, even then, like I worry about you guys, like all my sober friends now, like I do still worry about. You. I still think about you now. I don't worry as much as I did in the beginning, but like especially you and well, I'll just say it, you and Coda, I worried about you guys in the beginning because I was like, don't don't go back, because going back is listen. If you go back, just realize if you went back, you learned some shit while you were here sober. But don't go back though, because like it's going pretty good for you so far, you know. Right. But I worry about me. I worry about everything. I worry about me all the time. I'm like Jerry, don't, don't, don't do that again. Mm -hmm. But who knows? Nobody can say that I will or won't. I'm just here now in this moment. Isn't this like the best form of mindfulness there is? We're just living in this moment, 24 hours at a time. I'm just here in this moment. I cannot tell you that tomorrow I will be sober. I can't guarantee it. 
I can guarantee I'm sober right now, you know. I can plan for it and I can prepare for it yeah, and all that stuff, but I can't, for it, but I right. cannot, I cannot guarantee that I'll be sober in 24 hours. Because it's, everything's uncertain. It's mindfulness. You're just in this moment, living in this moment. You can plan for things that are coming up. Of course you can, but this, this has been the best form of mindfulness I've ever practiced in my life. It's just, I am here right now. Mm-hmm. Right now, I ain't fucked up. Right. I don't think I will. I don't think I, it's very unlikely I will be fucked up tomorrow, but I can't tell you a hundred percent that I won't be, you know, it's true, man. Amen. Yeah. Um, so they're all, all around. I just don't judge a book by its cover. Fuck no. Um, get, read the first 30 pages and then you can figure it out. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Of any book. Um, so yeah, man, unlikely allies. We got our conversation with Mishka Shubali coming up right after this. And, um, Get his book. It's a fucking awesome book. I, honestly, so it's and here's the other thing, guys um, and ladies, and um, it's free. It's on Audible. Yeah, it's yeah. free. Um, you can if you go to his uh, Instagram page, you can check out where to get it. But if you just get an mm-hmm. get an Audible account, download his book, and then cancel the subscription. Like that's what I did, and I think mm-hmm. you get like whatever it is, you get a free. I I don't know how it works exactly, but I, I just already use my free credit. Right. Yeah. And I downloaded this a, other book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I used all my credits and then I canceled it. So, um, yeah, I'm about to do that right now. Actually. So yeah. And it's, it's so worth reading and it's, or listening to, and it's great. It is. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's even better to listen to his books than it is. I've read his memoir, but, um, to listen it's to way better. I think it's better to listen to it. Mm-hmm. I think I felt like it was better. I don't know. Just his voice. He reads the book, so it adds so much more credence because he is feeling. His, you know what I mean? Right. He's emphasizing his own words. That being said, and, and not to interrupt you, but mm. um, one of the things I think I liked the most about it, it was like a manual. You know, it was like a manual. Like he literally. I if I would have had this in early recovery, man, I would have definitely approached my recovery a lot differently. Not that I. Don't not not that I regret the way I approached it before, but I definitely would have had a different recovery, early recovery. Because nobody told me Mm-mm. they just said go to meetings, get a bag of hard candy and go to meetings. That's all I got, man. Right. And don't drink, but go to meetings. And so that's all I got. I didn't get any blueprint, and he's got a great blueprint. Like it's very to the point, very pragmatic. Yeah, and just it. Uh, my favorite word. I think I said it in the in the interview about. Mm-hmm. breaking down the minutia of daily and hourly sobriety in those first 30 and I days. I needed that. I didn't oh, get that. No, I had to me figure neither. it all out, man. Yeah. And so I wish it's very valuable. I think to have in the beginning cool to understand exactly what's going to go down. Right on. All right. Well, right on. All right, man. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. Then. Fine. Enjoy your core. Enjoy your core, Jerry. I'll talk to you yeah, later. You too, John. I'll talk to you later. And uh, stay right, tuned bye. for Mishka coming up. I'm good. I uh, it's already hot as balls here, man. <laughs> well, you're well. That's that's Arizona, right, Jerry? You're from Arizona, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've uh, been getting up at 6 a.m. just so I can get a run in before the heat. But I'm just thinking about what the next four or five months are going to be like, and oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, um, how far are you running these days on the regular? You know, I was training for a marathon and then I, I had a thought where I was like, you know, I probably shouldn't be to grind out those long runs. You know, you really sort of, if you're doing it right, you really wear your body down. 
Um, and, uh, with the coronavirus shit, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do sort of regular maintenance running right now. And I'll do marathon training when the time is right, you know, so I'm, I'm doing six miles, like three or four times a week. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was feeling the same way that maybe it was best to not push myself and just keep it at sort of a maintenance pace. Yeah. <laughs> these days. Um, well, I, I one, I want to say thanks for doing this, man. Um, I, uh, I know it's a weird time for people and schedules are inside out and topsy turvy yeah. and, um, but I really appreciate it. And, you know, for those, for the listeners who don't know, uh, Mishka Shubali is a six time best-selling Kindle singles, um, author. It's seven now. Damn. <laughs> yeah, gotta, uh, get, gotta get that little correction in there. <laughs> I, I, hey, man, you earned every single one. Um, he's also an um, Ivy League collegiate educator and self-professed glorified T-shirt salesman. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Um, but but you know, all of that aside, most importantly, I just wanted to talk to you about this new book because um, I. As somebody who has, and you know, we talked last year, um, but as somebody who's gone through recovery and sobriety in a vastly different way, it's always fascinated me how um, somebody else does their thing. Because you know, I think one of the most important things that I that I that I took from cold turkey was um, putting alcoholism on a spectrum. And how it's just the definition of sobriety is different for everybody, too. Yeah, absolutely. The um, well, let me say, too, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I, you know, I, I totally appreciate it. And uh, the reason that I want that I'm doing, you know, as many podcasts as I can right now and trying to get the word out is because right now the new Audible original is free for the month of May um, if you have a paid Audible uh, membership. You can pick it up for free. It doesn't count as anything. Um, and I feel, uh, really shitty that, uh, that rehabs are a huge for-profit, uh, industry and that so many people are happy to make so much money off of the misery of others. It, it just feels like war profiteering or something. So I'm, you know, I'm super happy that, um, that I was able to partner with audible about this and make it free for this month. Um, so I just, I, I just want to get it out to people. And, um, you know, I know that a lot of people have taken different paths to sobriety, you know, than I have. Um, and the point of this, you know, this audiobook is not to tear down AA or any other program that people have used, whatever works, works. If it's working for you, it's legit. And I have no, I have no questions about it, you know? If, uh, if it works for you, if you're staying sober, if you're happy, if you're, if you're moving forward as a human being, then fucking don't listen to the book. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep doing what you're doing, you know, if it's working for you. But there are a lot of people who I think, um, you know, aren't served by AA for, for whatever reason. And, Mm -hmm. um, and this is for them, you know, and I just want there to be, um, and I, man, I hope that, uh, you know, a year and a half, two years, five years from now, somebody comes out and says, oh, you know, Mishka's thing is totally wrong. Here's another way of doing it. Because, you know, they're just, they're, every path to sobriety, I think, should be explored and exploited. You know, that we, we, we need to give people as many different solutions to this as possible. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I I think another thing you touch about you touch on in the book is this idea of these programs, whatever they may be, AA or otherwise, that there's got to be some sort of evolution as we learn new things and new ways of living. Absolutely. The um, I was thinking about this actually on the run the other day. You know that um, I don't trust. I mean, I'm a writer, um, and I don't trust anyone who wants to. Um, sort of worship a static reading of a document. You know, you go, you, you know, you look back at Huck Finn and it's like, well, mm. ah, you know, some of, you know, my mom read me that book, you know, when I was a kid, I would not read that to a kid right now because some of that stuff is um, feeling a little bit outdated. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, you know, in the shit in religious texts about an eye for an eye and, you know, you'll stone to death anyone who wears a, a fabric of you're a cloth of mixed fabric or, you know, like that shit hasn't aged well, you know, so it um, it needs to evolve, you know, pure and simple. And, um, you know, so I, I hope that uh, I hope that this is an, an evolutionary step forward. Yeah, I mean, Jerry and I both uh, went through and are still in AA, and uh, I, I now going back, I can't imagine not having it to help me through that early time. Now, if I had had your book, I mean, there you go through a lot of what I love about it is you go through a lot of the daily and hourly minutia that nobody tells you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just amazed to hear these things and go like, oh, shit, yeah, that's exactly what it was like. You know, things like passive recovery versus active recovery. And I think I was in passive recovery for like 18 months, man. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's it was extraordinarily helpful in that way. And um, one of the things one of my favorite quotes of yours in this book, and I've heard I've heard it before from you is um whatever you want to do in life, alcohol will always get in the way. And I've found that to be a hundred percent true in my life too. Yeah. You know, there is always some contrarian on Twitter who's like, well, what if you want to be a pants shitting wino, then, you know, (laughs) alcohol will facilitate that. I would suggest you set your goals a little higher, you know, um, the uh, let me return real quick to, yeah. to what you said about, you know, passive and active recovery. Um, and let me just sort of exposit that a little bit for, you know, for your listeners. Basically, sure. passive recovery, meaning just that you're not drinking and that's it. That's the only thing you're laying on the couch eating ho-hos or ding-dongs or, you know, just the worst garbage food. You're playing Call of Duty or whatever, staying up till four in the morning. You're the only thing that you're doing good is not drinking mm-hmm. and in every other way sadly you're probably doing a lot of really shitty stuff mm-hmm. um, and so that's passive recovery that's necessary sure. try to keep it to three days right that's that should be plenty of time for the alcohol to leave your bloodstream and for you to start sort of like oh wondering you know what the outside world is like you know and then active recovery is taking is you know playing a role in your life um you, you don't want to just be an extra in your life, you want to be the the main actor, you know, and um, you know, t- taking steps to uh, to improve your your mental fitness, your mental health, your physical fitness, your physical health, repairing relationships with people, building a life that you love, you know, the um, 
I uh, I was talking talking to a friend uh, the other day, and I was like, "Oh, you know, how are you?" And he was like, oh, "I'm doing good right now. You know, I just took a bump to like you know perk up my spirits." And I was like, "God, God damn it, dude!" <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, and I thought about it for a second. I was like, "Oh, you know, what's wh- what would what would that be like?" And honestly, like I, I've successfully built a big enough life that I don't have time to relapse right now. Like I have too hmm. much to get done today and tomorrow. And the day after and the day after that, you know, I would have to schedule it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that 100 percent. There's just no there doesn't seem to be any room in the schedule as you start stacking all the appointments and interviews and, you know, time for yourself and all that. There's really no time to to fall off the wagon, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the, and I said this in the book and I'll say this to you guys, too, you know, that like, um, Some of my greatest friends, some people, some of the people who have taught me the most in my life, some of the people who have like really, really helped me were hardcore AA people, you know, who who went for 10 years or people who are still going, you know, um, my boxing partner when I was in Brooklyn, he was just a wealth of knowledge about sobriety and survival and, um, you know, a couple other friends and. So, you know, I definitely don't want to um, don't want to shit on AA or anybody who's in AA um, because I've absolutely benefited from it, even Mm -hmm. without going. You know, there is, you know, um, there it's it's sort of like the opposite of, you know, 400 monkeys in 400 rooms on 400 typewriters. You know, there's like thousands and thousands of very committed people who care very much about repairing their own lives and care very much about, you know, fellow human beings um and there's a there is a ton of wisdom to come out of that mm-hmm. i don't think it's all in the big book <laughs> no and you yeah i i i think that when i first when i started listening to the book and i think early on in cold turkey you start uh discussing some of your issues with aa and you're also very clear about how much it's helped in the book as well so i don't want to I don't want to misconstrue anything that's been said, but for me at first, there was a little bit of a twinge like, hey, what's he saying? This 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 program saved my life. But as I listen to it and try to be objective and and respect your opinions about sobriety and alcoholism, you know, I come to find out that 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 there's there's more to it. There's more than just one way to do this and that you that I can incorporate more than just one program in my life to make me better the man there's this great it's funny like whenever you publish a book then you're like you go back and look at it or listen to it or whatever and you're like god damn it I should I, ah, I should put that in there or I, sh- I shouldn't have put that in there or whatever mm-hmm. one of the things that i fully intended to put in that book and then that i would have wrote it on a scrap of paper and threw it away is there's this great quote about democracy um which is to say that um the best way to express your enduring love for democracy is by ruthlessly interrogating it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how we build a stronger democracy. And I, I would, you know, I would submit to you and to all, all the other people who I, I love and admire and count on, you know, in AA that um, when I, if it feels like I'm attacking AA, I'm not, I'm interrogating it. And I'm interrogating it because I think there is a lot to love there. 
And I think there's a lot in there that needs to be saved, you know? And, and I fully felt that, I mean, that's, that's by the end of the book, I fully felt that. So that, that, that did not go un unheard by any means. Great. Um, I, I, I also love this, you know, you, you, you call yourself a sober alcoholic. I know that Jerry and I would probably, we would say exactly the same thing. Another thing is that you don't have to be an alcoholic to quit drinking. There doesn't have to be this harrowing tale of destruction and mayhem for you to get it out of your life. Well, I, I think for many of us too, that we do have a harrowing tale of destruction and mayhem, but alcoholic is such a scary word that mm. people are like, you know, because, you know, there's all these things that people know about alcoholics and alcoholism that, and a lot of it is just bad information, you know? And so it's, it's like, um, well, yeah, you know, I have two DUIs, but, um, but I don't think I'm an alcoholic. Mm. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're in an era where we're learning the power of language and the power of nomenclature, you know, and um, the uh, and and how the specificity of words is important, you know. So so I say, oh, if, you know, if that's a barrier to you quitting drinking, then let's remove that barrier and just fuck it. Let's not deal with it. You don't you don't need to you know, you don't need to. I. I had quit drinking for like six or eight months before I could say, you know, yeah, I'm an alcoholic, you know, um, and uh, and then it took me a while, you know, sort of like having sort of privately figured that out. It, it still took me a while before I could publicly say, yes, I'm an alcoholic. Now I want fucking everybody to know because it's like, yeah, I I was and I am and I and I have been I have been able to do this. And what's fucking holding you back, man? You know, like mm-hmm. get to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think too. I mean, for me, calling myself an alcoholic, calling myself a sober alcoholic, recovering alcoholic, uh, also ties into I think one of the first uh, themes in your book, which is drop the bullshit. And it <laughs> reminds me that I need to drop the bullshit about who I am and what I'm, what I'm capable of, both negatively and positively. Dude, I, I was pulling for like drop the bullshit to be part of the title, you know, <laughs> I feel that, that, that so strongly about that, you know, that um, the I was th- I was thinking about this the other day of like, you know, sort of Keith Richards and then everybody who came after Keith Richards, like when Keith Richards was coming up, there wasn't this whole sort of like rock star stereotype, right? You know, there wasn't it was wasn't like, you know, because now we sort of know like, oh, yeah, you you get a pair of leather jeans and then you just live in them for like eight months at a time. And you, you know, fucking snort horse tranquilizers and shoot junk and all that. You know, you, there we have all these things that, you know, this is what makes a rock star, you know, but when Keith was coming up, um, th- th- those are all things he just decided to do on his own, you know? Yeah. And we live in a world now where people have a very clear idea of, you know, this sort of, um, and, you know, the, either the, the hot mess for women, you know, the girl who always has a drink in her hand and is, is all, it has the sort of vocal fry and, um, is, is this like fun train wreck, you know, and then there's the, you know, the sort of like lonesome hard ass guy with a bottle in one hand, you know, like, um, you know, kid, you don't know how hard I've had it, you know, that kind of, <laughs> thing, you know, and how we, I mean, we say we're, 
I mean, that's the thing is like eventually, you know, alcohol stops being a choice and it's just something that you do because you don't know any other way to live. But there have been, but leading up to that point, there have been many, many times, thousands of times, hundreds of thousands of times where we did make a choice where we were like, now this will make me cool or this will make mm-hmm. me lighter, or this will make me play guitar better or this will make me relax or whatever. This will make me into the person I want to be. And like, you know, we were, it's bullshit. You know, it just, it just makes you pathetic. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we, you know, we figure that out too late, obviously. <laughs> um, but, and also, I, sorry, I'm, I just yeah. have my coffee. I'm having all these thoughts. I'm going to inflict all of them on you guys. Yes. Uh, <laughs> That's um, fine. John, I'm not going to apologize to you because you know this is how I do it. Jerry, I'm sorry. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> first meeting with me, just blurting shit out. Another thing, and you know, and this is one of the things, you know, that uh, alcoholism, it is, it's like the scarlet letter, right? It's that A where you're like branded for life with it. Yeah. But also for me at this point, it's, um, it's not just a mark of shame. It's a badge of courage, you know? That like I went through all that shit and I, you know, I held myself back and now I'm here and I, and I got through it and I got out of it. And from being an alcoholic, man, I learned how to suffer with grace, you know, and that's, that's how you become a long distance runner. It's just like, holy shit. I drank a fucking bottle of tequila last night. Now my boss is like having me photocopy pictures of his cat to fax to all of his idiot friends because he doesn't know how to use his stupid phone you know and you're uh-huh. standing there over this like hot fax machine thing i'm just i'm gonna i'm gonna blow chunks right here over all of this and when you, learning to endure that time and time again it builds strength you know yeah alcoholics are weak we're the fucking strongest people you ever meet you know how hard it is to keep a job when you're falling apart like that yeah, yeah just barely yeah i do um <laughs> it's 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 100 percent true we put ourselves we we it's this whole other kind of endurance race that lasts years sometimes um and you know one of the other things that we talk a lot about on the show because you know we're not um we're interested in promoting sobriety and the better life like you talk about but also you know i got a message from one of our listeners who was asking me basically he was asking me about he's smoking pot because he's trying to, you know, he's quitting drinking and it's really stressful and this, that, and the other. And do I think it's okay to smoke pot? And my initial reaction was, man, that's up to you. Like that is, that is for you to define. Like when I look at it, I, I could never smoke pot or do mushrooms or any of that stuff again. I know Jerry, you, you smoked weed for several months after you quit drinking. So I can go to sleep, you know? (laughs) So, so I think that another thing is that the definition of sobriety has got to be something personal and something that works for you because Mishka, like you are not going to have the same experience and the same needs. And, you know, you talk about those hallucinogens that have helped you open up in sobriety, you're, right? You're going around this. Yes, I use drugs. I the yes. word is so tricky, man, because if you look it up in the dictionary, it just says abstaining from alcohol, right? Yeah. So that leaves open the passive recovery, smoking weed. Also leaves open smoking crack, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, I was hanging out with a, a, a musician I know at a wedding last year, and we were talking, and he was like, yeah, I'm sober now. And um, I was like, oh, man, congrats, you know? And like 15 minutes later, he had a beer, and I was like, bro, like, 
do I tackle you now? What's and he's like, oh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, I, I quit drinking. Like I just drink beer now. And, and it's like, oh, so, so that's not sober, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. That's one of the tricky things is that you do need to define what your sobriety is, but it doesn't fucking change from day to day, you know? And I'll say like, um, the, if you're drinking, you're not sober, you know, like, let's just, let's call a spade a spade. If you're yeah. drinking, you're not sober. However, you can still, you can be drinking and still be in recovery. Cause I right. know who used to drink a bottle of Jack Daniels every day. And now they have a couple of beers and, and that's recovery and that's real recovery. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for me, if I know myself and I know how I feel about alcohol still now, 10 years sober. Um, if I had a beer, that would be my undoing. You know, I would go right back to it. But mm-hmm. I smoke weed sometimes um, to, you know, to help me get to sleep, to uh, to deal with pain because I'm 43 and I'm still running like I'm 23. And, uh, and sometimes I smoke weed because I'm bored or I want to play games <laughs> or whatever. It's okay to have fun. You know, it's one of the things yeah. I talk to when people would like, oh, when you eat mushrooms, uh, you're doing this, you know, for, with a shame in it. No, man, we're fucking having fun. We tell dick jokes, you know, people laugh. Regardless of what program you subscribe to, fun needs to be a part of your long-term recovery. Because that's, that's what human beings do, you know? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've touched upon this too, that a lot of this behavior, both good and bad, is not necessarily alcoholic or or sober behavior this is just human beings being human beings and that's something that i've always i have to remind myself when i when i don't feel like forgiving myself for being shitty over something you know mm-hmm. is that i'm just a human being and it's okay yeah yeah i mean that's the thing is that the it's tricky but i think at every turn in your life you need to try to um draw a line between um alcoholic problems in human problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I just broke up with my girlfriend. That's a human problem, right? That's not, it's not because I'm an alcoholic. It's because I'm a human being and it, things ha- weren't working and hadn't been working for a while, you know? Right. And so it's really easy for me to go into a, a shame spiral and say like, Oh, you're, you're fucking damaged and blah, blah, blah. And she said, you know, God, why won't you just get help? And I'm like, I did, and I do, and I have, a, you know, I was in therapy for a long time, and I, I will go back. Um, I have great friends. I'm good at being honest about my emotions. Sometimes relationships just don't pan out. In fact, most of the time they don't. It's yeah. just yeah. a human problem, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I just it's something that I need to remind myself and I I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I love this uh, near the end of the book. You talk about building the big life and finding a sense of freedom. And I think that I think that's something that every person I that I know looks for. But um, that that big life, again, is 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 something of your own defining. Right. I mean, that's whatever it is that you want. And I just maybe you could touch a little bit about the big life. Yeah, the, you know, people, 
people write to me all the time and they're like, Hey, how do I quit drinking? And I'm like, well, you know exactly how to quit drinking. You just, you stop doing the thing that you're doing. You know, it's, it's a passive thing to stop drinking. You just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the, but what they're really asking with that question is after you stop drinking, how do you stay sober? What do you do with the time that you have now? Um, that, you know, that you didn't have before, um, how do you how do you change the course of your life you know so that you're not just going to the bar or going to the liquor store or whatever um and my answer is the big life you know the when i was talking to my buddy and he you know he said oh i, I just did a bump and that picked me up you know the um i always follow those thoughts you know i'm never like oh i can't think that you know i always think about like oh you know what what would it be like and um the I, I think it's good not to not to say like, oh, we need to keep temptation as far away as possible. But instead, you know, it's it's like your shadow. It follows you everywhere you go. Acknowledge it that it's there, you know, because if you ignore it or if you try to ignore it or tell yourself it's not there, then it's going to catch you by surprise. Um, and, you know, what I thought was man, he's doing this in the middle of the day. Like, that's, that's going <laughs> to be a fun, yeah. you know, I mean, either, either he's going to go off the rails or he's going to like, you know, uh, he's going to run out. And why are you, why are you snorting anything with coronavirus? This respite, are you fucking, you know, like, but right. For me, it's that in the same way that my alcoholism, my drinking pushed all this other shit out of my life, pushed my family out, pushed my friends out, you know, pushed everything out. I mean, even pushed shit like watching TV out of my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the Now I have a big life that has helped to push alcohol out and it keeps it out because I don't have fucking time for it now, man. I'm like, yeah. I'm too busy doing the shit that is rewarding for me and shit that's enjoyable for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And just finding, <clears throat> finding that sense of freedom. And, you know, I just wanted to say one thing, um, before, before we let you go is that <clears throat> finding you and your, your work has really <clears throat> helped me to change my life in, in a big, big way, because last time we spoke, um, I was about 240 pounds and I'm down to 189 now. And I've Dude. been, you know, it's been nothing but running and eating vegan, basically. And, um, you know, I still remember the moment where I was listening to the long run and I had the shitty sunglasses on that say Vuvli Co on the side I got from the bar that I worked at. And I started to cry and I was like, I have to run and I couldn't run, but I have to run. And like, that's when it started for me. And it was just me with these shitty plastic orange sunglasses crying out there on the road. And, um, and you know, you also, the, one of the first times I, I reached out to you and you said, if you come to my class at Yale, um, I will set aside 30 minutes and I'll talk to you about nutrition and, um, and getting your weight down. And that was the first time anybody that I didn't know had actually even offered to give a shit about my weight. And so, I mean, yeah, and you said it to me last year, you're like, you did this, John, and, and I did do it, but you really inspired me. That again. I was waiting for you to get through this. Like, <laughs> long thank you. And then say, no, I refuse it. I, I, okay. I, take, I take zero credit for it. I'm so fucking proud of you. And I'm, 
I'm so happy for you. And I mean, it, it literally a tremendous weight has been lifted from your shoulders and every other part of you, mm-hmm. but you did all that work, man. I, I, you know, I played no part in that. That was you. And, and right. had, had I not been around and had my work not been around, you would have found inspiration somewhere else. Cause you were ready to change. You were ready to make that change. Yeah. My writing was one of the tools that you used to make that change, but that that's all on you, man. Fair enough. And you know, the t-shirt I bought from you last year doesn't fit anymore. I'm going to have to buy a new one. <laughs> I'm always happy to sell people another t-shirt. That's actually the best reason for me to sell people a t-shirt. Right. All right. Well, um, Mishka, thank you so much for your time, man. Yeah. Stay as cool as you can. I know Arizona is no joke and it's not going to get any better, but um, stay safe, stay sober. Thank you. Thanks for talking. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah. All right. Take care. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at aisforalcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah. Yeah.